0: We're going to come back today uh, for one last lesson on the Lord's Prayer. And uh, so let's say it again uh, as we've been saying it, memorizing it, to utilize it, and saying it together, to pray it together. So uh, in, from our hearts, let's say it together. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. 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 All right. That's what we're going to look at today. Now, I hope that praying this has become natural or is becoming natural to you like a holy habit, okay? And listen, I've been equipped by others to preach. I've been equipped by others to uh, evangelize. I've equipped others, including many of you, in evangelizing and equipped others in how to preach. And one thing I've noticed is this. Our flesh just hates to have patterns, new patterns imposed on us, okay? Especially when we're being equipped. And our flesh wants to say, no, I I want my personal freedom. I want to do what comes natural. I don't want to follow a pattern that's mechanical, and it's just not authentic. But you know what I've noticed is that when preachers, young preachers, are learning to preach... And they want to go the natural way, the authentic way. You know what ends up happening? They ramble, they chase rabbits, and they end up being boringly authentic. Okay, you're you're, you're authentic, but this isn't good. Okay, this is hard. What happens when you evangelize and do what comes natural and seems more authentic? Well, I've noticed you ramble, you chase rabbits, and you end up being fruitlessly authentic. Well, you're really being you, but you're not being effective in sharing the gospel. Now, you might be saying, wait a minute, wait a minute, Chris. Are you saying that the way to preach effectively or to evangelize effectively, you have to be mechanical and follow a rigid pattern. No, no, not at all. But I'm saying this, when you learn something new and you want it to make it a habit in your life, you do have to follow a pattern and a form in order so that you can grow into it and in a sense grow to be authentic in it. Listen, it's the same with, with prayer. At first, Praying through the Lord's Prayer or using it as an outline may seem inauthentic. It may, seem, it may feel forced to you. It may feel unnatural to you. But you know what happens when you pray in a way that just comes natural? I mean, we could, have t- we could all stand up and testify. You know what you do? You know what you do in your prayer time? You chase rabbits. You ramble. And one of two things happen. You either get distracted, you start praying, and pretty soon you're thinking, Man, I got to change the oil on my car today, and man, I got, what am I going to fix for dinner? And I got to get, oh yeah, Lord, help, just help me with all of this. Amen. And you're out, right? You either get distracted or, or work. So here's the other thing you say, Well, no, Chris, I don't get distracted. But you know what you do if you don't get distracted? You follow your own natural, rigid pattern that you always use in prayer. You say, how do you know that? Because I listen to you pray. And you listen to me pray. And I almost guarantee you could go around the room right now and say, well, this is how they start out and this is how they end. And th- In other words, we are all following a pattern. The question is, are we following Jesus' pattern? Does that, Do you see what I'm saying? And we just tend to pray. I mean, have you ever done this? You start praying and you're like, well, I'm just praying the same thing every single time. And so... The idea is we need to follow Martin Luther's advice that he gave to his barber. Uh, we think of Martin Luther as the great reformer, right? Nailing the 95 Theses. I've taught that to you at least three different times. And, but we don't think about he, his hair got long, and it had to grow. It had to be, be cut. And so one day, Luther's barter, barber was named Peter Beskendorf. And we should be glad that he had a barber because this barber once asked Luther for advice on how to pray. And Luther responded by writing instructions on prayer that are now called A Simple Way to Pray for Master Peter the Barber. And so he wrote a little booklet teaching his barber how to pray. And so Luther pointed his barber to the Lord's Prayer, and he offered this incredible, helpful advice. So listen to Luther's advice. So, as a diligent and good barber, you must keep your thoughts, senses, and eyes precisely on the hair, and scissors, or razor, and not forget where you trimmed or shaved. For if you want to talk a lot, or become distracted thinking about something else, you might well cut someone's nose or mouth or even his throat. I don't know what he used to cut hair with, but it must have been pretty big, you know, and My dear wife cuts my hair. My hair—well, it needs a haircut right now—but she cuts my hair. And I think only once have you, you know, cut my ear. One time, it's like ouch. And so you can get distracted. Now, we know what Luther's point was. We must learn to pray and resist distractions in prayer. Advice about cutting hair or shaving is easy to understand. A distracted barber is a dangerous barber, right? He he could do some damage. Luther applied the lesson well. Here's what he says. How much more does prayer need to have the undivided tension of the whole heart alone, if it is to be a good prayer? And I would put forth to you the way to do that is to follow the Lord's pattern that we have been studying. And so I hope that each of you, are beginning to use the Lord's Prayer through this series and grow through, get past the unnatural feel of it, if you feel that way, and grow into the spiritual leading of it to where you in the Spirit are praying through this to the Father like the Son. Well, this morning, I want to focus on the last word of the Lord's Prayer. As it has been handed down to us by the faithful saints that prayed this down through the centuries and added to it the doxology that comes at the end. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And what do we say? Amen. Amen. All right? And so what I want to do is Easter, on Easter, we saw that Jesus' prayer ends when our praise begins. As you pray through the Lord's Prayer, it should lead your heart to sing glory to God, to, to praise God. Yours is the kingdom. Yours is the power. Yours is the glory. And and it, we, it just, it sings we, with this praise. But what's the last word in the Lord's Prayer? Well, the last word in the Lord's Prayer is amen. Amen. That's what we want to look at this morning. Now, this past week, I looked up every instance of amen in both the Old Testament and New Testament, and it was so enriching, it was so encouraging that I want to do a whole lesson on it, and this is not that lesson. And so, we're just going to look at amen in the context of the Lord's Prayer, wrap up this series with that, but I'm going to come back to it because I believe that amen is one of the most important worship words that we can ever utter, that we can ever say, and that we can ever hear from others. And so next week we'll celebrate Mother's Day. I want to do a, a, a lesson on how women partnering with men can be a powerful impact for the gospel. But today, let's take a look at amen. Now you might be saying, what's so big about saying amen, right? After all, it's easy to fall into the trap of thinking that amen is simply the reminder the prayer is ended and the eating should now begin, okay? Or the service is over, amen, now I can get back to my real life, okay? We have a tendency to do that. What's the big deal about saying amen? Well, more than what you think, there's an entire Academy Award-winning movie that's all built around a gospel song, Amen. And it stars Sidney Poitier, and it's called Lilies of the Field. It even has a biblical uh, title coming right out of Matthew 6, Look to the Lilies. How many of you have heard or seen that movie? Okay, you guys all need a movie education, okay? We need a Turner Classic moment. So this song begin, this movie begins and ends... With Sidney Portier, uh, he's a Baptist, lapsed Baptist drifter. And uh, these five nuns uh, have uh, escaped the Berlin Wall. When the Berlin Wall came down, they escaped from eastern Germany. They speak German. He speaks American. And he's going to build a chapel for them. But here's what uh, their encounter with Amen. Amen. Amen 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 Sing it over Amen 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 Ay. Amen Ay. See the baby Amen wrapped in the manger Amen. On Christmas morning Amen Him in the temple, Amen. talking with the elders, Amen. who marvel at his wisdom Amen. Amen. down at the Jordan, Amen. where John was baptizing Amen. and saving all sinners, Amen. Amen. see him at the seaside. Amen. Talking with the fishermen Amen. and making them disciples Amen. Amen. marching in Jerusalem Amen. Over palm branches Amen. in pomp and splendor Amen. Amen. See him in the garden, praying to his father. In deep sorrow, Jesus, Jesus, led before Pilate. Amen. Then they crucified him. Amen. But he rose on Easter. Amen. 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 Hey, hallelujah. Amen. He died to save us, Amen.
1: and he lives forever.
0: I can get this guy to build the temple for me. That's a, it's a great movie if you haven't seen it. And what I love, well, I just love a lot of things about it. First of all, that's like a church service, right? The the pastor's up there trying to get people to say amen, right? And then you got the mother superior there that's not going to say it. And then she's one, oh, it's just great. You need to see the movie. It's a great movie, and it's a redemptive movie as well. Uh, but those. what I love about that, it takes us through the whole life of Christ And all the way through it, what are they singing? Amen. Amen. And it is so appropriate. It is so much a means of biblical worship to say and sing and to praise. Amen. So here's what I want to ask you. And I'm praying that the Holy Spirit will search your heart this morning. And you will answer the question, is my amen, amen like with a question mark, and I don't know, I guess so, if I have to. Or is your amen with an exclamation point? Amen, or as Carmen says, amen. I don't care which hour you say it, but say it with an exclamation point, right? All right, so let's look at it. Uh, and it doesn't matter, maybe some of you have been raised Baptist where a spontaneous, informal amen can erupt from the congregation. How many of you are grew up with that or familiar with that? Yeah, about half of it. And then some of you may grow grew up in a more formal where amen was was sung and said together as the congregation after the Lord's Prayer or after you sing the doxology. How many of you grew up that way? I know. Yeah. So a couple of you have done that. And so, you know what? The good thing is both those ways are in the Bible. And when we take a whole lesson to study this, we'll see that, in fact, both the spontaneous personal individual as well as the corporate is a part of biblical worship. And so, like any good communication, how you begin and how you close is important. And that's true in prayer, okay? We begin the Lord's Prayer with what words? Our Father. That's where everything begins or ends. If you do not know God in a personal, born-again way, to where He is your Father and you have been transformed and rebirthed to be His child, then prayer is not going to mean anything to you and your prayers are not heard and they're not answered. But if God is your Father, He hears your prayers, He's eager. But how we close our prayers matters. And amen is a meaningful way. It's how you make the prayer your own. It's like signing a contract where you sign your name on the bottom line and you say, I own this contract. I own what's being said. It's also, it's like pledging allegiance. When you say amen, it's like you're laying your hand over your heart and you're saying, I pledge allegiance to what I have sung, to what I have heard, to what I have prayed. So let's look at it and I want to show you three radical ways that amen should end our prayers. And here's the first one. When we say amen, we affirm the truth by saying it is true. When you say amen, you are affirming the truth of what you prayed or what you heard preached or what you are singing by saying it is true. That's what amen is. In its most basic sense, it means I agree. It is truth. That is trustworthy. Martin Luther said it this way, Amen is a word used to affirm something that is most certainly true. That's why in the Gospels, and this is what I learned this week, do you realize in the Gospels, Amen is only found on the lips of one person. You know who it is? Jesus. Jesus is the only one that uses Amen in the Gospels. It's only on his lips. And and, and it's translated this way. It's the word for amen, but it's translated truly, truly I say to you. Are you familiar with that? Now, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, he says truly I say to you. And only in the gospel of John does John use the double amen. Truly, truly I say to you. Now, you know what's unique about Jesus saying amen? He uses it in the opposite way that we do. We hear biblical truth, and how do we respond? Amen. It is true. He says amen before he speaks. He says, amen, amen, what I'm about to say to you is true because I'm saying it. So like Jesus is the only one who can say amen to his own truth. All right, because he is truth. And so when Jesus says, truly, I say to you, we should perk up because he's not simply a man, but he's also God. He's the incarnate God-man. He's the Son of God. And when he speaks, what he says is true, and we can trust it. And by the way, just that point that anytime amen is used in the Gospels, it's always found on the lips of Jesus before what he says is further proof that the doxology in the Lord's Prayer has been added by the church and it wasn't an original part of the inspired scriptures because it would be the only place in all four Gospels that people use amen on the lips uh, uh, in, in terms of at the end of a prayer. Uh, so when we say amen, we're saying not that we are truthful... Not that we are trustworthy, but what God has said is true and trustworthy. And so we When, when you hear the word taught, like you are right now, and you hear the word of God, and it's true to the word of God, we should say what? Amen, because what we're saying is, I affirm the truth. It is true because it's from God, and it is true to God. And so here's the idea. When we by praying amen at the end of our prayers, we are publicly, personally, and powerfully affirming the truth of all that we have prayed. So when you say amen, so Audrey bring that up. When you say Amen, you are publicly, because you're saying it out loud or with the people you're praying. You're saying it personally because you're adding your amen and you are powerfully, hopefully so others can hear it, powerfully affirm the truth of what you have prayed or what you have heard preached or what you are singing in praise songs. So at the end of the Lord's prayer, what we're saying is the kingdom is his and no one else's. Amen or amen. Okay, let's do, uh, we're going to do this two more times, so help me out a little bit, okay? Well, at the end of the Lord's Prayer, we're saying the power is His and not mine, amen, or? Oh, man, we are getting better. At the end of the Lord's Prayer, we're saying the glory is His, not mine, amen, or? There you go. Man, we can do this. We can do this. And we really ought to do it. And listen, it's out of vogue. I get that. It's out of vogue. And when we look at this more in depth, we don't do it to disrupt the service. We don't do it to draw attention to ourselves. We, we do it to exalt the truth that is being heard. And yet, it is encouraging when done, spirit-led and appropriately but loud and listen. I do it, and my family knows they get embarrassed. But if if I'm in another, I mean, I went to a Catholic funeral recently, and yeah, I, I I didn't do it loud because I knew that would be improper in that setting. But I I had to say it because some things were said that were truth. Amen. Yeah, yeah. We should just do this, and it's okay to do it, and you're allowed to do it, uh, certainly in our church. Now, when we See this word for uh, the the doxology begins with the word for the word for grounds our petitions in the person of God and in our praise of Him. When we end the Lord's prayer, we say for yours, for yours, for yours. We're grounding our petitions in His kingdom authority in His divine power, in His absolute glory, and we're grounding our prayers in our praise of who He is. So in the Lord's Prayer, first comes the acknowledgement, our Father who is in heaven. We're saying you're transcendent and you're imminent. Transcendent means you're large and in charge, and you can actually hear our prayers, and you can actually answer our prayers. Amen? Yeah. And we're also saying you're imminent, which means you're near to hear. You are in heaven as our God, but you're also our Father, which means that you are eager to hear our prayers, and you already know what we need before we ask it. And so we should be bold, and we should be confident to come to Him. But next comes the six heart cries that we've studied. The first three have to do with His glory being our daily priority. Uh, Hallowed be Your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. His glory is our priority. Having affirmed His place and priority in our lives comes the next three requests. Our needs He daily feeds. And how does He do it? Give us this day. Our daily bread. Forgive us this day our sins against others in the same way that we are forgiving to others and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And having done all that, what is our basis for expecting God to answer? The basis is yours is the kingdom. Yours is the power. Yours is the glory forever and ever. And then we say, amen, it is true. It is true. I affirm this truth. Don Williams, in his book, The Disciples' Prayer, puts it this way. They are, first of all, His. The kingdom, the glory, and the power. Uniquely His. His by nature. It is because they belong to him that we can pray to him. It is out of his inexhaustible possession of them that he answers our prayer. It is for his inalienable monopoly in them that we offer him our praise and worship. Their existence in him is the basis of prayer. Their application to us is the enablement of prayer, and their manifestation in the world is the goal of prayer. And when we say amen, we're affirming the truth of all of that. And so when we pray, not just the Lord's Prayer, but anytime time you pray, Any sermon you hear, in the middle of it, at the end of it, any song that we sing, and many of our songs have it embedded in the song, it is fitting if what has been prayed, if what has been preached is true to God's word, it is fitting for us to say, it is true. I affirm that, and we say that by saying, amen. All right? But there's another radical way to use amen. And it's this, when we say amen, number two, we ask in faith by saying, let it be, let it be. You know, you thought the Beatles began that. No, the Beatles didn't begin that. That's what amen means. So that there's a got you know, the Beatles have a gospel song, let it be. Okay. And there you go. Ask in faith by saying, let it be. So it's not only an affirmation, it is true But amen is actually a prayer. You end end praying by praying. Amen is a prayer. And you're saying, Lord, everything that I've prayed, everything that we're hearing taught here this morning, everything that I'm hearing preached, everything that I'm singing, Lord, let it be done. Let it be done. You see, amen not only means it is true, it means let it be. In other words, it's true, so let it come true. You know, if something's true, we should want it to come true. And that's what we're saying with amen. My amen means not only do I agree with the truthfulness of what is said, but I'm asking, hoping, trusting that what I have been praying will actually happen. Okay? Saying amen reminds me of my, one of my, this is movie day, okay? So, one of my great classic movies, The Ten Commandments. Can you get any better than that? Okay, well I got, okay, I got more response from The Ten Commandments than The Lilies of the Field. This is your Turner Classic moment. And so, I always think of amen. There it is. So, let it be written. So, let it be done. Now, why did Yule slash Pharaoh say that? Because Pharaoh was a god. He was the God. And when he said, So let it I mean, you know, Yule had his finger. Oh yeah, yeah, is that is that how it is? So let yeah, he did that. Dane even has it. Is that what you do at, at home? No. <laughs> Dana, do you ever Dana, do you ever get the Well, I wouldn't say do you get the finger? I don't know. Maybe maybe Dane Dane does this finger and then I don't know what happens. So let it be written. So let it be done. I don't know how we, you know, don't say amen to any of that. So, and it's 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 beautiful. And there's a tension in that movie. And I really, I'm, I'm thinking that Moses says it at some point too. But I, I can't swear to that. And I, I didn't have time to research the three-hour movie to affirm that. But whenever I see him saying that, it's so classic. Because what he's saying is, my word is truth. So let it be written. It is true. And because it's true, and I am a God, and what I say must be done, so let it be done. It's as good as said, it's as good as done when I say it. The only problem, both in the movie and more importantly in the Bible, is he is not a God. And what he says does not get done. Because there is a one true God to whom we get to pray as our Father that when he says it, it's as good as done. And so when you're saying amen, you're basically saying, so it is written, so let it be done. That's what you're you're doing. So if I can get Chuck Heston and Sidney Portier in a, a one lesson, I'm a happy man. So I'm a happy man. Here's what Martin Luther said: a word uttered, amen, is a word uttered by the firm faith of the heart. Here's what the church father Clement of Alexandria, uh, he, in his writings, has preserved a saying of Jesus, which is not in the gospel, it's not part of the inspired text, but it's handed down from Christ, and it says this, Ask for great things, so God will add to you the little things. You are praying falsely, says the Lord. Always your prayers are moving in a circle around your own small things. I, your own needs and troubles and desires instead ask for the great things for god almighty glory god's almighty glory and kingdom and that god's great gifts the bread of life and the endless mercy of god may be granted to you even here even now already today that does not mean That you may not bring your small personal needs before God, but they must not govern your prayer. For you are praying to your father. He knows all. He knows what things his children have need of before they ask him. And he adds to them his great gifts. Jesus says, ask for the great things, so God will grant you the little things. The Lord's Prayer teaches us how to ask for the great things. We begin with the three great things. Then we move to the little things. And God grants those to us. And when we have prayed for the great things and the little things, you can end your prayer, amen, let it be. Let it be done. Make it happen. But remember, we're not Jesus, so we don't say, Amen, it must be done. Instead, we pray like Jesus, the incarnate man in the garden, who said, Not my will, but your will be done. So when we pray, Let it be done, there's always an asterisk there where we say, Not my will, but years be done. Are you with me? You know, because I can pray all sorts of things. Now, if I don't use the Lord's Prayer, I can really pray some really bad things. That's what the Lord's Prayer does. It ties you to the great things of God. And you know, if nothing else, if you pray the Lord's Prayer, you know you can say, Amen, let it be done. Why? Because you've prayed what He's asked for. But if you get too far away... And start, begin to just pray your own thing. And then you say, let it be done. You know what God in heaven's doing because he's a gracious father? He's saying, son, daughter, you don't want that. (laughs) You don't know what you're asking for. Have you ever thanked God for unanswered prayer? You ever thank God and you look back maybe a year ago? You know, or maybe when you're in college and you're praying for that guy or you're praying for that woman. And then a few years later, you, you look back and you go, oh, God, thank you for not answering those prayers. You know, thank you for unanswered prayer, because we don't know, always know what we should be praying for. But when we pray according to his will, and when we say not my will, but yours be done, then we can say, let it be done. Let it be done, because it's not my will but your will. It's not my kingdom, but your kingdom. It's not my power that's going to get it done. It's your power. It's not my glory I'm longing for. It's your glory. Well, there's a third and radical way that we can end our prayers with amen. Not only do we say amen, we affirm it's true. Not only do we ask, let it be done, but third, apply it in life. Apply it in life by saying, I own it. I own it. So, what does amen mean? First of all, it means it is true. Let's say that again. It is true. Second, it means let it be done. And third, it means I own it. I Live it. So when we end our prayer with amen, we are not, we're ending the praying, but we're starting the living. We're putting feet to our prayers and we're signing off saying, Lord, as much as it's in my power, as much as I know to do it, I'm going to make this prayer happen by your spirit for your glory and for your kingdom. You see, it not only means it is true, let it be. It means I own it. It means I'm all in. I'm committed to not only affirming the truth, asking in faith, but I'm also going to apply it in my own life. And remember, this is a prayer we pray with others. So I'm going to apply it in my life with the help of my church family. That's why if you don't have a church family, you need to be uh, plugged in to a church like ours. Uh, There's great churches in this city, so I'm not saying we're the only church... A church, though, that, like ours, teaches the Bible, gathers together for extra teaching like we're doing here. Listen, I'm going to apply it with the help of others, but there's a second reason we apply it. We apply it to help others, okay? So when we're praying, we're praying corporately. We're praying, our Father, yours is the kingdom, yours is the glory, yours is the power, amen, Help With the help of others, I'm going to apply this, but I'm also going to apply it to help others. And so, amen, like each of the petitions we've studied in this series, is a personal commitment of application. And so, the Lord said, the disciples said to Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray, and Jesus responded with this, When you pray, say, and then he says, when you pray, in this manner. And so let me give you three applicational reminders as we exit out of the Lord's Prayer today. The first one is this. Jesus has taught us something to say. So memorize it to utilize it. I don't care what version you use. I don't care what translation. I've told you many times in this series, I've got a a, a... I don't know, a a, a stew pot of memorized Lord prayers in my mind. And half the time I'm speaking old King James English and throwing in some new American standard and sometimes a crisp paraphrase. And that's okay, okay? Because I'm praying as the Spirit leads. Memorize it to utilize it. Independence on God, pray the model asking for the Spirit's power to help you. Get past feeling unnatural. Get into being led in a supernatural way by the Spirit. That's the first thing. Jesus taught us something to say. Secondly, Jesus taught us something to say in a particular way. In a particular way. There's an order to the Lord's Prayer. I've taught you that. His glory, our priority, and then He feeds our needs. It goes in that order. I would encourage you to, in the majority of your praying... Pray in that order. Now, sometimes, you know, w- when you're hungry, what do you go? What petition do you go to? Give us this day our daily bread, right? When you've just sinned, what petition do you go to? Forgive us our debts, as we forgive those who, uh, who forgive those who's what is it? Who, I want to say trespass against us, and so you got all these different versions. You can you can insert yourself any place in that prayer. But understand this, it all flows from our Father who is in heaven. And it's all done to make for the fame of His name. It's all done to advance His kingdom. It's all done so His will is done in my life on earth as it is in heaven. And it's all for His glory, His gain. So you end up praying the whole prayer, but you can start in any way. Desire and determination. Persevere in this practice in spite of opposition. Do you think the devil wants us to pray this way? Not a chance. Do you think the devil wants you to memorize this? No, Nope. And yet we memorize stuff. uh, We know meaningless, fruitless, Wasteful information about our media culture, whether that's sports, movies, holly I don't care what it is. I'm not picking on anyone or any one thing. I'm just saying we memorize all sorts of stuff that doesn't mean a hill of beans. But we can memorize God's word. Amen. We can memorize it. And it is eternal. And it changes your heart. It makes you Godward and outward. And when you begin to eternalize God's word and then pray it back to him, just amazing things happen. Third, Jesus has taught us something to say in a particular way, so we learn to pray the family way. He has taught us something to say in a particular way, so we learn to pray in the family way. In the family way is the Lord's Prayer. So pray it this way to live it this way. Pray it to live it and live it so others will see it. Discipline yourself to develop in praying this way. Pray and you will make progress in praising him and producing fruit. So let me give you a couple closing illustrations for application. A kindergarten class went to the fire station for a tour. And some instruction in fire safety. Now, you know, fun things are gonna happen. The fireman was explaining what to do in case of a fire, and he said, First, go to the door and feel the door to see if it's hot. Then he said, Fall to your knees. Does anyone know why you ought to fall to your knees? And one of the little munchkins said, Sure, to start praying and ask God to get us out of this mess. Okay? Now, there's a good Christian young man, all right? That's, yeah. Fall to your knees. My old professor at Dallas Seminary, Howard Hendricks, used to say, we treat prayer like when someone says pray, someone pops up, is it that bad? You know, has it come to this, that we have to resort to prayer? Folks, I am learning, and I am still learning, first response, pray, pray, pray. Get, leave on a trip, pray. Don't presume against God that you're going to get from point A to point B. You start your day, pray. Don't presume you got it under control. When you have a big endeavor, pray. When you have small things to do, God, help me to do them today for your glory with a positive attitude. I'm telling you, our culture is in meltdown, and just daily kindness can change people. How many of you here serve others in your job? Raise your hand. Yeah. Yeah, everybody here, you serve others. Is it getting easier to serve people or harder? It is a mess out there. So, I mean, I've, I think I've told you this, but I have determined. So when I go to anybody that's serving me, I, I, I first of all thank them, and then I say, "Thanks for working." I'm glad to see you working. Thank you for working, and and they laugh, and they're like they're like. What's this weirdo talking about, you know? Because they don't hear it. They don't hear it. Have a great day. Have a great day. A man by the name of George Adam Smith was once climbing the Wisehorn Mountain. It's a huge mountain in Zurich, uh, Switzerland, above the Zermatt Valley with two guides on a stormy day. And they made the ascent on the sheltered side. So it was the side without storms. They reached the top and, exhilarated by the thought of the view before him, Smith sprang to the top of the peak, and he was almost blown off of it by gale-force winds. And only by the quick action of the guide caught him, held on to him, pulled him down, and said this, On your knees, sir, you are safe here only on your knees. You know what? That's where all of life is. The only place that's safe in this fallen world is on your knees. You say, well, do we walk around on our knees the whole time? No, it's in your heart. It's on your knees. It is on your knees. A farmer asked a denominational leader to assign a pastor to their farming community. And so they asked, how big a man do you want? Michael Shank, who used to go to here, he's a pastor in a farming community. He can tell you how this works. You know, They're not just hiring you to preach the word. They're hiring you as a helping hand, right? So this farming community, how big a man do you want? And this, this, uh, this wise deacon answered this way, well, we're not overly particular, but when he's on his knees, we'd like him to reach heaven. Okay, And that's the kind of men and women we need to be on our knees. So let's listen again to Martin Luther's advice to his barber. Going all the way back to the Old Testament, God's people have ended their prayers with amen. And we've learned it means affirmation of the truth. It means asking in faith that it would be done. It means applying the truth to our lives. But it means so much more. Here's what Luther said to Master Peter the barber. Notice at the last that you have made the amen strong every time and not doubt. God is surely listening to you with every grace and is saying yes to your prayer. Do not think to yourself that you are kneeling or standing there alone. For all of Christendom, all upright Christians are with you and you among them in a unanimous, harmonious Prayer which God cannot disdain, and do not leave the prayer unless you have thought this thought: All right, God has heard my prayer, and I truly know this for certain. For that is what amen means. Now, that is good advice as long as you remember one key truth: you're certain of being heard, not because you're certain but because Jesus Christ, according to 2 Corinthians 1, Jesus Christ is our amen for us. Listen to 2 Corinthians 1.20, and we'll end with this. For as many as are the promises of God in Him, that is in Christ, they are yes, therefore also through Him is our amen to the glory of God through us. So we say amen to God. To the glory of God. And we do this through Jesus Christ. Who is our yes. To God's promises. Jesus Christ is your amen. Why do we say it is true? Because Jesus said I am the truth. Why do we say let it be done? Because Jesus is the way it will get done. Why do we say. Apply it to life. I own it. Because in Christ. He is our life. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives through me. He is our amen. Amen or amen. Man, I think we learned something. Let's go upstairs and let's practice it. Let's impart this great word of worship. Man, I hope your prayer life deepens in the rest of 22. You say, Chris, I have so far to go. Begin with the Lord's Prayer. Begin with the Lord's Prayer. Pray it with others. Teach it to your children. Teach it to your grandchildren. You will be glad you did. Let's pray. Father, we, we, <laughs> we are humbled because you have said to whom much is given, much is required, and you have given us much. In this series on the Lord's Prayer, you have given us much of yourself as our Father. You have given us much in your Son. You have given us much in your Spirit. Lord, help me to deepen my prayer life. Help me to lead those around me in their prayer life. Lord, help our Amen to affirm the truth. Help our Amen. To be a prayer of faith. Lord it is true. So let it be done. And Lord let our amen. Be a firm. Humble. Confident. I own it. I will live it. Because Jesus. Is my amen. He is my yes. To all the promises of God. It doesn't depend on us. It's been done by your son. He's doing it in his children. He's doing it in those of us who trust him. And he has yet to do the final act when he comes with the kingdom and your will is done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, don't let anyone here this morning miss out on your coming kingdom. Don't let anyone here this morning miss out on being your child so that you are their father in heaven. It's in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit we pray and all God's people said.